Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Money Wise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Thanks for making us a part of your Sunday morning listening. You know, the mission at USA Wealth is to help you protect your family and protect your money. And nobody does that better than Ray Lance. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, thank you for your wonderful words, Phil. Always appreciated. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our 4th of July weekend presentation. Our topic today is Declare Your Financial Independence. Independence Day is just a wonderful time of year. It's a wonderful holiday. And I'd like to start today by giving some information about uh, Independence Day. Everybody knows that July 4th is Independence Day. There was actually a resolution in Congress on July 2 uh, to declare our independence. The Congress at that point, the Second Continental Congress, voted to approve a resolution of independence that had been proposed in June. This is on July 2. And it was proposed by Richard Henry Lee of Virginia, declaring that the United States were independent from Great Britain. But then once Congress actually uh, had this resolution, they had to actually sign the Declaration. And the Declaration of Independence was actually in process for Oh, probably since the beginning of June of that year. It was written in about 30 days' time. And there was a committee of five gentlemen who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson was its uh, primary author. Um, also, um, John Adams was, and uh, several other gentlemen, uh, Richard Lee of, Independ- of uh, Virginia. But 4th of July was the date that Congress actually voted the Declaration of Independence. So of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence initially, and there were 56 of them, John Adams and Tom Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, went on to become presidents of the United States as well. And the interesting irony about John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, both of whom were signers of the Declaration of Independence, both served as presidents of the United States, 50 years later, 50 years following the signing of the Declaration of Independence in July 4, 1776, both of these gentlemen, former presidents, died on July 4, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Isn't that an amazing coincidence? Yeah. But um, some interesting things about the observance of July 4th as our national holiday and it's regarding as our national holiday uh, across the country. In 1777, one year later, 13 gunshots were fired in salute uh, on July 4 in Bristol, Rhode Island. And that was really the first time that there was a celebration of this event. Uh, Philadelphia also celebrated at that time. And in 1778, Two years later, uh, I found this to be an interesting little story. In New Brunswick, New Jersey, General George Washington, remember we were in the middle of the Revolutionary War at that point, he marked the celebration of July 4th with a double ration of rum for his soldiers and an artillery salute. So that's where the tradition comes of having something to drink on July 4th, I think. But the other interesting thing is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts which um, at that point was a a separate colony. In 1781, the Massachusetts General Court, the legislature, uh, 
became the first state legislature in the country to recognize July 4 as a state celebration. So we have a lot of history in this particular state, in our state. But just some interesting little fun facts about July 4th. But I think that everybody in this country, although we celebrate July 4th with parades and picnics and barbecues and all kinds of things, we all recognize what the true meaning of July 4th is. That's the date that our Declaration of Independence was signed. And since 1785, uh, that's the first parade to celebrate the uh, Independence Day celebration. What is that? Bristol, Rhode Island. That's amazing. Bristol, Rhode Island, the yeah. famous parade that we oh, yeah. many of us have been to. It's a wonderful celebration. They paint sure. the streets with red, white, and blue stripes. Uh, that parade began in 1785. It's the first and the oldest continuous Fourth wow. of July parade in the country. So we do some wonderful things in New England, don't we, to well, celebrate Fourth of July? Well, later on today, after the show, we're having a superb parade in New Bedford. The uh, Cape Verdean Recognition Committee mm-hmm. uh, have always put together a great parade, so thousands of people are going to be in downtown New Bedford in just a little while to see the parade. Well, it's a wonderful time of year to celebrate, and um, ironically, the country of Britain, uh, Great Britain, uh, England, is one of our strongest allies and one of our strongest trading partners today in terms of the trade back and forth between our two countries. Right. Do you know who the oldest signer of the Declaration of Independence was? The Benjamin old. Franklin. He was 70 years old at the time that he signed the Declaration of Independence. So, and the first signer, by the way, was John Hancock, who wrote his signature unusually large, and that's where we get the expression today, put your John Hancock on something. (laughs) So, some interesting fun facts about the 4th of July, but it is a very important celebration. And, you know, we celebrate freedom, the declaration of our independence from the country of Great Britain, and... The concept of freedom has been something that has been discussed throughout the years. Uh, Even Abraham Lincoln at one point said, freedom is the last best hope of earth. So all of our presidents have signed in at one time or another on the concept of freedom. But let's today talk about financial freedom and your financial declaration of independence. We're going to talk about some subjects today about how you might become more independent financially. And there's some really very basic rules that everybody can do to improve your financial position. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important ones we talk about a lot is simply budgeting and writing things down that you spend. I've seen both extremes. I've seen people with no money and people with lots of money who don't record anything. They just spend whatever they feel like spending and they don't think about it. Then I've seen people who meticulously carry a notebook with them and they track every single thing they spend money on every single day and they keep a record of it. Not only that, but they total it up at the end of the year. They can tell you exactly what they spent for coffee and exactly what they spent for food or rent or whatever it happens to be. That's sort of the opposite extreme. We try to find people as much as possible who can do a budget. And one of my most common concerns is that probably less than 5% of the people I see have ever done a budget. So here's your first step to financial freedom today. 
if you can do the simple discipline and create the habit of having a budget, I guarantee you that you're going to improve your financial position because it makes you much more conscious of where you're spending your money. And as soon as you can recognize the pattern of where you're spending your money, you can say, this is crazy for me to be spending this kind of money. So having a budget uh, is a very important goal. We're going to talk a little bit about some important financial goals, but let's focus on this first one on uh, budgeting because budgeting is such an important concept. And I have a lot of information. If anybody would like a budget form, by the way, we have a very simple one-page piece of paper. On one side is your income from various sources. On the other side is whatever all of your expenses. We can email this to you. We can fax it to you. We can mail it to you. Or you can come by my office and pick it up. We're at 352 Fonts Corner Road. Just stop in and say, I'd like to get a budget form, please. I'd be happy to give it to you. Or we'll mail it to you. But um, doing a budget is not a complicated thing. Uh, Phil, you and I have talked in the past about the fact that you can get software today for about $25 or $30. Absolutely right. And you can track it on your personal computer. Good, good stuff to have, too. If you have a smartphone today, you you can have apps to go in your phone where you can track it in your smartphone. So there's no excuse for not having a way to record what you spend. But here's some benefits of doing a budget. Uh, number one, it gives you control over your money. It's a very important way of being very intentional about the way you spend and the way you save money. And again, if you do a budget, then you can realize, is there a little surplus that I could put aside and save? Second important part about doing a budget is, is it very definitely keeps you focused on your money goals. And we're going to talk about goals in a minute. Everybody should have money goals. The third thing it does is it makes you very much aware about what's going on with your money. If you do budgeting, you're very clear on what money is coming in, how fast it goes out, and where it's going to. It keeps you wondering at the end of the month or the end of the week, where did your money go? The fourth thing it does, it it makes you very organized about spending and savings. We've always used the expression, which is actually a Susie Orman expression too, pay yourself first. Well, how much do you pay yourself first? If you do a budget, you can know how much you can afford to put aside. So if you divide your money into categories of, say, expenses and savings, then a budget makes you exactly aware of what category of money your expenses are going into and what portion you can put aside for savings. If you have a budget, it makes you decide, number five, in advance, how much money, how your money will work for you. Number six thing a budget does is it it allows you to save money for unexpected emergencies, unexpected costs. I have um, people in my family I know that sometimes ask if they can borrow some money. Well, what it tells me is that they're not really doing budgeting. They're not thinking about putting some money aside to save uh, for something. Number seven thing a budget does for you, it lets you communicate with your significant other, your spouse, a family member, about money. Um, It's a good teaching tool to teach your children or to help teach your spouse. Of course, we don't like to teach our spouse anything. (laughs) No. Never, ever. We can't. (laughs) Um, The eighth thing a budget does is it gives you an early warning system if you have potential problems. Um, you know, this is a little off topic, but I want to mention, I saw a news report oh, probably a week ago on television about 
the high cost of cancer drugs. And one of the primary reasons that people are going into bankruptcy is because of the cost of medical expenses, Mm -hmm. which is really a tragedy in this uh, country. So if you or somebody in your family had cancer, for example, you would do almost anything you could to get the latest drugs, the most effective drugs, something that's going to buy another year or two years of life or ease suffering. Those drugs are very expensive, and they're five or ten times the cost of what you can buy the identical drug for in Europe and Canada. So we have an artificially high cost of drugs, and you're talking about somebody's life. And the interesting thing is that in many cases, regular health insurance doesn't provide for that. So what do you do if you get stuck with a real emergency? Do you have any kind of a reserve put aside? Well, most people don't, unfortunately. Another thing a budget does for you, though, is it it helps you determine if you can afford to take on more debt and how much, whether you should have a mortgage or a bigger mortgage. And the last thing a budget does is it helps you produce extra money. You can't really decide how much you can afford to save and then after saving how much you can afford to invest if you don't have a budget. So those are some very simple, important reasons for doing a budget. And I know I say this a lot. Uh, take some action. There is no excuse for you not to have a budget. It's, it's so easy today. You can get it online. We can provide a copy for you. So setting financial goals and financial priorities is the most important reason to have a budget. One last point I'll mention on budgeting is planning for retirement. Um, I often find in my own practice that most people simply haven't done enough budgeting, saving, planning, investing for retirement. And you see articles all the time about the retirement crisis, but it's true. Um, A lot of people are going to be working well into their 80s. Some people do because they want to, and uh, but a lot of people don't want to, but they have to. They have to keep working. And there's some things that we can do in certain businesses. For example, what you do, Phil, uh, you've got a golden voice. And as long as you're able to talk, you can continue speaking in a microphone. <laughs> right. You could be doing this when you're 95. Oh, terrific. <laughs> Hello, this is Uncle Phil talking Hi, on the radio. Mr. AARP here. Mr. AARP. <laughs> but um, a gentleman named William Feather said, A budget tells us what we can't afford, but it doesn't keep us from buying it. So a little interesting comment on budgeting. So a most important thing a budget does is it keeps you focused. It keeps your eye on the prize, so to speak. Uh, It makes sure that you don't spend money ahead of time that you don't have. It makes it easier not to go into debt on credit cards, which are very costly. So it allows you to have some discipline in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. So do a budget, do a budget, do a budget. Um, Let's talk a little bit about goals and uh, financial goals in general. Um, Think of the word smart, S-M-A-R-T. That describes what financial goals ought to be. So a goal has to be specific, which is the S in smart. Um, What are you going to do and why? Are you going to save more money? Well, you're not going to save more money. You want to save $25 a week or you want to save $50 a week. It has to be specific. Uh, Create a written plan. You have to write down your goals. If you don't write down your goal, it's just a wish. Mm -hmm. 
If you think about something you want to do and you don't write it down, that's not a goal. That's a wish. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the next thing a goal has to be is M for measurable. You have to be able to measure your performance. So, for example, if your goal is I'm going to save $50 a week every week out of my paycheck and I'm going to put it into a retirement account. If I'm working, I'm going to have that deducted out of my paycheck and I'm going to have it automatically put into an IRA or a 401k type plan or something of that nature. So the goal has to be measurable and you have to write it down. So my goal is I want to save $50 a week. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to have it deducted out of my paycheck. And if you can measure it, you can see your paycheck every week. You can see the $50. At the end of the year, you will have saved towards retirement perhaps $2,500. You do that for 10 years, you've got $25,000 not including the power of compound interest that will have been uh, added into that account. Um, The A in SMART stands for attainable or action-oriented. So have a dream, but also have a plan. Um, Goals have to be specific. Maybe it has to push your, your limits a little bit, but it has to be attainable. It has to be achievable. Don't say, I'm going to save... $100 $100 a week. I'm going to write that down. That's going to be my goal. Because if you can't afford to save $100 a week, that's not an attainable goal. So not only does it have to be specific and measurable, it has to be attainable. So if that's too much to take out of your budget because you can't afford to buy the food that you need to buy, then set up a goal that's going to be attainable. And everybody ought to be able to put aside $10 a week. Anybody listen to this show can put aside at least $10 a week. That's $500 a year at the end of a year you will have saved. That's $500 more than you have saved so far if you don't have a goal. But the goal has to be attainable. Everybody's um, ability is different. It has to be doable. R in the SMART, S-M-A-R-T, stands for realistic. Um, Make sure you have the ability to set aside this goal. It has to be a realistic goal that you're actually going to accomplish. So, for example, if you are working, uh, or let's say you're retired, you're not working, but you still want to save some money, are you going to have the realistic ability to set aside $10 or $25 a week? Well, there's something called the envelope system you could use, or JAR. You can say, every single week when I get my check, or once a month if I get my Social Security check, I'm going to take X dollars, I'm going to put it aside in this envelope, and maybe it's $50 from my Social Security check. But then when I get to have $200 in there, I'm going to bring it down and put it into my bank account. So that can be a realistic way to save. No plan that you create should be a straitjacket. You have to have the ability to do it. And then lastly, uh, T in SMART stands for time or timely. Set a time frame to achieve your goal. So if your goal is to say, I want to save $500 this year. I want to save that much money by Christmas so I don't have to put money on my credit cards to buy Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to be able to spend $500 on Christmas presents this year. Well, if I'm going to do that and I want $500 between now and Christmas, I'm going to have to start saving some money and it's going to be more than $10 uh, this time of year, I'm going to have to put aside 20 or $25 a week. So if that's my goal, so I don't have to use my credit cards, then do this on a really timely basis. 
Start that right now and set a time frame to achieve your goal. So think of the word smart when it comes to selling, setting uh, financial goals. S-M-A-R-T has to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And you have to write it down. If you don't write down what your goal is, um, you're not going to accomplish it. It's like what they say about New Year's resolutions. Uh, Most New Year's resolutions that are made on New Year's or (laughs) procrastinators make their New Year's resolutions on January 2nd or, well, the first week in January is still close to the first of the year for my New Year's goal. So as long as I do it in the month of January, it's still a New Year's goal, right? That's what the procrastinators do. Of course. (laughs) But... Most New Year's resolutions, for example, last less than 30 days, and then people don't keep Why them. Why so long? Well, because <laughs> they don't write it down, you see. If you're going to have something that's more than a wish, I'm going to lose weight. Yeah. I'm going to save more money this year. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. Um, you have to be smart about your goal, and you have to write it down. So anyway, this weekend as we're celebrating Independence Day. Um, We want to celebrate your financial independence. It has to start with financial goals, and it has to start with having a budget. So those are the two most important concepts I want to focus on today. And do it now. You know, even Ben Franklin once wrote, and you've heard this before, never leave that till tomorrow, which you can do today. I mean, how many times have you heard that in many different phrases. That's right. That's one of the things he wrote. So do it today. Uh, Ben Franklin also wrote, time is money. Ben Franklin also wrote, a penny saved is a penny earned. And he practiced what he preached. Uh, He saved, he invested, uh, and he became a wealthy man starting from nothing. We're going to talk a little bit about Ben Franklin and the power of compounding money. Um. And speaking of needs and wants and budgets and desires and wishes, I mean, we all want things. I think we live today in the era of instant gratification. People want something, they go out and buy it. They use a credit card, they purchase it. They want a specific car, they go buy it, they charge it. The companies are happy to lend you money. Um, And people don't save as much to buy something as they used to in the past. But another great quote from Ben Franklin is he wrote, there are two ways of being happy. We must either diminish our wants or augment our means. Either may do. The result is the same, and it is for each man to decide for himself and to do that which happens to be easier. So is it easier to save money, or is it easier to to diminish our wants and wishes, reduce what we need to buy? How many things do you buy that you don't really need? Lots and lots. But... um, so Ben Franklin wrote some great things, and as I mentioned, he did write, a penny saved is a penny earned. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about savings in a moment, um, but goal planning is such an important concept. If you want to declare your financial independence, you have to do something about it. Uh, there's some wonderful books written like The Millionaire mm-hmm. Next Door, but most importantly, a gentleman named Colonel Michael Friedsham wrote, Concentrate on finding your goal, then concentrate on reaching it. So I want to show you some specific things you can do besides having a budget and setting written goals. 
Gosh, if you can do just those two simple things, I guarantee you're going to make more money. I guarantee you're going to become financially independent. We'll happy be happy to send you to some of those forms. But uh, please give us a call at 508-998-8858 at USA Wealth Group. We've got a wealth of documentation we can provide. We're working on some interesting book projects right now, too, that we'll be talking about uh, in the coming months. We'll be describing some books that you'll have an opportunity to uh, to look at. So one closing thought before we take a break from mm-hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt on the concept of freedom. The war for freedom will never really be won because the price of freedom is constant vigilance over ourselves and over our government. Oh, wise. Yep. She was a great lady. So ladies and gentlemen, continue listening on this uh, 4th of July Independence Day weekend. We're going to show you some ideas in the next half hour on celebrating your financial independence. Welcome back, and thank you, everyone, for listening to Money Wise Radio. You know, Ray Lance, folks, uh, of USA Wealth Group, is not only a financial and retirement guide, He's the very best at helping you protect your family and protect your money. Talking about financial independence on this wonderful Independence Day weekend. A great discussion that uh, you're having and a nice explanation of some of the uh, things that we need to know. Well, thank you and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Financial independence is, I think, what everybody in this country would like to have. And what I want to tell you is that it doesn't matter whether you make little money or a lot of money. There are just as many people in financial trouble who are high-income earners as there are people who don't make a lot of money. It's really the discipline that you bring to the income that you receive and how you track your spending. Because you can do just as nicely by keeping track of your budget and your expenditures uh, on less money as people making larger amounts of money uh, who aren't keeping, keeping track of anything at all. I'm going to give you some examples in a minute. Um, we're going to talk about the power of compounding interest and the compounding uh, power of money. We're going to talk about a lot of specific ways that you can save money. And I'm also going to talk about some uh, important keys to becoming financially independent. One of the things you may not realize when you listen to this show is that we spend a lot, of, a lot of time, a large amount of time, researching the topics that we talk on. This isn't just uh, us standing before microphones and coming uh, to have a discussion about what comes off the top of our head. Uh, there are many, many wonderful articles written out there, and I think that it's important to know that there's a lot of good information that's available to you and a lot of things that we can provide. We can give you reports on key financial data. We can give you social security reports, Medicare reports, uh, free budgets, and so forth. Just give us a call at 508-998-8858, and we're happy to do that. A few words further on goals. Um, A gentleman named Ernest Holmes wrote, not failure, but low aim is a crime. Mm. And another gentleman named Joel Hawes said, aim at the sun and you may not reach it but your arrow will fly farther and higher than if you aimed at an object at a level with yourself. 
So you always say need to reach out and reach a little higher. And then an, another cute quotation that I like from Eric Johnston, beaten paths are for beaten men. Mm-hmm. I, I like the short, pithy ones. Yeah. They're kind of fun. And um, here's one of my favorite uh, gentlemen that I like to quote from is Abraham Lincoln. Determine that the thing can and shall be done, and then we shall find the way. So it's all about setting goals and um, making sure that you stick with your goals. And one last quotation I want to give in that category. I've used this before because I like it a lot. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, in a speech at Harrow School in Harrow, England, in 1941, after the war had begun, had this to say, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. So be persistent in what you do. I have a quotation that I keep under my desk um, that I like to write. You know, people think, well, something is hard to do, but sometimes if something is hard to do, it's very much worth the effort to do it. I have a little quotation that I keep under the glass on top of my desk, and I read it once in a while, and and I like to do it. It's on the subject of persistence, sort of like uh, what Winston Churchill wrote. It says, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Mm. And that's attributed to Calvin Coolidge, although it's unverified as to whether he actually uh, wrote that. But one of my favorite quotes is on that subject of persistence. So I'm going to come back to this one more time, but I want to tell you that the most important goal for anybody listening today in terms of becoming financially independent, if you set only one money goal at all this year, and if you remember one topic from this particular show, that's track your spending. Mm -hmm. It's basically keeping a budget. If you can do nothing more than track what you're spending, you're guaranteed to spend less. And therefore, you're guaranteed to have a lot more. But I want to talk about the subject of compound interest. And one of the first people who had a great deal to do with the subject of compounding interest was Ben Franklin. And he wrote, uh, even in his will and his estate plan, about the value of compound interest. Um, In his will, he said, I wish to be useful even after my death, if possible, informing and advancing other young men that I may be serviceable to their country in both of these towns. To this end, this is from his quotation from his will, mm-hmm. I devote 2,000 pounds sterling, I didn't use dollars then, of which I give 1,000 thereof to the inhabitants of the town of Boston in Massachusetts and the other 1,000 to the inhabitants of the city of Philadelphia in trust to be used as follows. And so he left 1,000 pounds sterling, if accepted by the inhabitants of Boston, to be managed under the direction of various churches, and there to try to let out 
upon interest to invest this money at 5% per year if possible. If this plan is executed and succeeds as projected without interruption for 100 years, the sum will then be 131,000 pounds, of which I would have the managers of the donation to the town of Boston then lay out at their discretion 100,000 pounds in public works. So he, he projected by the, the power of compounding interest that his 1,000 pounds in 100 years would be worth 131,000 pounds, and he wanted 100,000 to be given out to public works projects. And, and then he said, the remaining 31,000 pounds, I'd like to have continue to and be invested at interest again for another 100 years. And at the end of the second term of 100 years, if no unfortunate accident has prevented the operation, then this sum will now become 4,061,000 pounds. This is the power of compounding. And he was very accurate in his calculations and how he calculated compound interest. And so he died in 1790. Each of uh, Boston and Philadelphia received 1,000 pounds. At that point, that money was worth about $4,400 in today's money. And as of 1990, Philadelphia and uh, Franklin's Philadelphia Trust had $2 million in their account. Boston had done a bit better in how they had invested, and Boston's trust fund in uh, 1990 had $5 million from his original $4,000 gift. And that money at that point was used to create a trade school that later became known as the Franklin Institute in Boston. So what Franklin had done, what Ben Franklin had done, is calculate the power of compounding interest. And the most important message about compounding interest is if you start early and save regularly, and this is the going back to the habits and creating the habit of setting aside something as simple as $10 a week or $25 a week, if you start particularly at an early age, 20, 25, first job, start saving money, Uh, I will tell you emphatically that the people that I've seen doing that, the people that I meet with, uh, they have fairly basic jobs. Sometimes they'll be a teacher. Sometimes they'll be a utility worker or or a government employee. Um, And I've seen people at age 60 with $2 million, $3 million that they've accumulated in our local community. Mm -hmm. So the power of compounding uh, has to be believed. It works. Uh, Ben Franklin... Uh, created a plan to uh, establish the monies that he did. Um, But it absolutely works, and compounding interest is something that anybody listening can take advantage of. The earlier you start, the better. And um, so think about compounding interest. Um, Anybody can benefit from compounding interest. It's a double-edged sword because if you have money on a credit card, for example, you're compounding in the opposite direction because you're paying out the interest. So you don't want to use credit cards if you don't have to. But you want savings to compound as often as possible. Time is definitely on your side. The earlier you start, the more money you're going to accumulate. But it's not too late if you start at an older age. Even if you start at 40 or 50 or 60, you can still take advantage, advantage of the concept of compounding. You just have to put more money aside on a regular basis in order to do that. And I have lots of articles on the power of compounding interest. Um, be happy to provide that. 
But, you know, if you do want to be independent, you have to start doing something at some point. There's books written on the automatic millionaire or the millionaire next door. Um, they're interesting books. I've read several of them. There's a book called The Random Walk to Investing, The Random Guide to Investing. Um, they're books that will show you the power of compounding. And so you compound for a while. You have maybe $1,000 you've saved. Then you pay perhaps put it into a different kind of investment. But anyone can do it. And I'd like to talk about some very specific ways to save money. 54 ways to save money, it's called. Nice article. Use credit cards and debit cards prudently. If you can use a credit card and pay off the balance at the end of the month, that's a smart way to use a credit card. If you start accumulating balances, then you're accumulating interest, and it's negative interest. It's compounding against you. I wonder if debit cards are better. Debit cards can be better because it's really money that you already have in your own account. And we live in the age of debit cards. And um, I know lots and lots of people that they'll buy a, a cup of coffee at a drive-thru on a debit card and things like that. I don't personally approve it because they don't take the time typically to really keep closed tabs on what they're spending. So it's free and easy on the spending side. They figure, well, I've got money in my account. I'll use my debit card. But they don't keep track of their checking account to add all those little purchases in. Mm -hmm. They just check their statement and if there's and their account, if there's money in the account, they just continue Spend. spending. So it's better in terms of not paying interest. Uh, you're not being uh, charged interest for that right. typically unless you use it as a credit card. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it doesn't teach you the discipline of spending and what you're spending the money on. So, but most people don't track what they spend, and, and you don't realize when expenses add up to more than your budget. So tracking, writing down what you're spending, um, that's one of the disadvantages of the debit card. And um, use a cookie jar approach. If, if something is difficult to do, um, take all your spare change. and Instead of putting it back in your pocket again the next day, throw it in a jar. When the jar gets full, take it down to the bank or give it. <laughs> They don't uh, count it anymore. <laughs> or give it you, have to, you have to take it to the supermarket and give 10% of whatever the machine counts it at. <laughs> or, or, or give it to your spouse. <laughs> that's right. Or your grandchildren and yeah. say, yeah. you know, that's, that's a way to teach your grandchildren perhaps. Sure. Oh, take, yeah. take this jar full of coins and say, let's sit down and we'll count out the money together. You'll teach them counting and you say, all right, you can have this plastic bag full of coins. You can have this plastic bag full of coins. Now take it down and put it into your bank account. When you think about it, though, Ray, <clears throat> here we have these machines that you put all of those pennies and dimes and quarters in, right? Mm -hmm. And they take 10% of whatever you're counting. We're in the wrong business. <laughs> well, and those little uh, 10 cents and pennies and so forth add up. $10, $12, sure. Well, I did that once 20. with a jar of money, and um, when it was half full, it was a fairly large jar. I dumped it out, and I was surprised there was $100 worth of coins in Easily. it. Easily. And it counted up. Yeah. I suppose you could take it down to Foxwoods and run it through a machine. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But then you're going to spend the money <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> but anyway, uh, another way to uh, save money is here's a discipline. If you're going to go out and buy $3 for a fancy cup of coffee, and say, all right, I've just spent $3 on a fancy cup of coffee. I didn't really need it, so match that money in savings. I'm going to take the other $3 and 
I'm going to put that aside for savings. And it'll force you to, number one, save more. And it'll force you to think about every time you spend money on something that's not really essential. Aim for short-term goals. As I said, $10 a week is better than nothing. $20 a week is better than nothing. $20 a month is better than nothing. Set a short-term goal. And then when you've reached a certain level, take that money and put it somewhere. Don't just leave it. Take that money and go put it into a bank account. Um, buy items in bulk. Uh, go to a BJ's or a Sam's Club or one of those places. And mm-hmm. Sometimes those items are cheaper. But I think even someplace like Market Basket can compete very favorably with some of those prices. So you have to price shop. Um, substitute coffee for expensive coffee drinks. Um, the little coffee pods are very uh, handy, but they're a little bit more costly. But... Um, you know, that's something you should take a look at. It's probably cheaper to have a coffee pod that you bring to work and put it in a coffee pod machine than to pick up a $2.50 cup of coffee on your way into the office in the morning. Maybe it costs you 25 cents for the pod. Save money. You can do that. Bring your lunch to work. Eat out fewer times each month. Um, shop for food with a list. I wonder how many people go in the grocery store and say, I wonder what I need and just run up and down the aisles. Ooh, and when you're hungry, even worse. That's the worst time to go shopping. Those Oreos look good. They always look good, (laughs) especially after supper at night. (laughs) So my discipline is instead of having three or four Oreos, which I could do (laughs) easily quicker than we can count them, (laughs) try to do just one. (laughs) One sleeve or one cookie? (laughs) No, no, one cookie. Oh, no. That's torture. Looking to getting generic drugs, um, ask your physician about generic drugs. We pay so much money for prescription drugs in this country. Um, See if you can have a generic substitute. And uh, banking, uh, keep track of your banking. Avoid paying overdraft charges. Reduce your credit card debt. Um, So if you've got a credit card debt, let's say of $3,000, say, all right, my specific goal, my smart goal is going to be, I want to reduce my credit card debt by $1,000. How am I going to do that? Well, you got to start putting some money aside until you can accumulate the $1,000. And then write a check and write that down. And boy, the interest you're going to save on doing that is enormous. So pay down your credit card debts. There's just so many things. I have a list called 54 Ways to Save Money. And I'm happy to send that to anybody who would like to have a copy of it. Just give my office a call at... 508-998-8858. We're happy to send that to you. But seriously, think about what could I do to become more independent financially? Um, Write it down. Track your budget. So set specific goals. Consistently spend less than you earn. I ask people all the time, what's your monthly income? That's easy. What are your monthly expenses? They don't have any idea. And I'll say, well, do you have enough money to pay all your bills each month from what you earn? Yes. Do you have extra money left over that you might then put into savings? Yes. So you know that you're living on less than what you earn. But you could make even more money if you tracked exactly what you're spending. But you do want to spend, obviously, less than what you earn. Create a spending plan. Um, Even have a budget when you go to the supermarket. If you know that you typically spend... $150 for your family when you go to the supermarket. Try to find ways if you can cut that down a little bit. 
Starve your husband. Why not? Let him lose some weight. (laughs) (laughs) He can afford to lose it, right? Why not? We all can afford to lose it. But uh, invest. We haven't talked a lot today about investing, but there are so many things that we can show you. If you're sitting with a lot of money in a bank account, a checking or a savings account, you're losing money. Uh, you're, you're making less than 1% on your money. We can show you some safe, sound, secure ways that you can invest that money and make a lot more money. So take some time to find out what you can invest in and what you want to invest in. Diversify. Use tax-favorite accounts. Put money aside for an IRA. If you've got extra money at the end of a year and you're thinking about what can I do for it, and you're still eligible to do an IRA plan, put some money aside in an IRA. It's tax deductible, uh, depending upon your income. And you're going to reduce your income, and you're going to save even more because not only have you put money aside for retirement, but now you're going to end up uh, reducing your income taxes for the year. Maybe you're going to get a larger refund. How many people listening, I wonder, when they get their tax refund, say, I'm looking forward to getting my tax refund because that's my vacation money? Well, you know what? The government has had the use of your money all during the year, which is why you've gotten a refund in the first place. So maybe you need to do a different kind of tax planning. Uh, They're they're borrowing your money every year, and they're not paying you any interest on it. So maybe you have too much money coming out and withholding. But a lot of people, I think, psychologically like the idea of getting the tax refund at the end of the year. But, um, you know, you have the time. Everybody has the time to sit down and make a plan. You have the time to set a budget. You have the time to sit down and meet with somebody like me. Anybody I meet with, I can show them how I can improve their budget, how we can help them create a budget. We can show them ways that they can save more money or make more money. And it doesn't take a long time to sit down and do that. So if you can learn some different ways to make more money, is it worth your while to do that? You know, nothing's a waste of time if you use the experience wisely. That was said by Auguste Rodin, the famous sculptor. And even Ben Franklin said about time, do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. And Thomas Edison said, there is time for everything. We all have exactly the same amount of time, the same amount of hours, minutes. It's how we use our time. So what I'm suggesting today is instead of taking a large amount of time to plan for a vacation, take a little bit of that time and plan to become financially independent. Because you can be. And there's some really basic things that you can do um, if you make the time to do it and decide that it's a priority in your life. So most important rule, most important rule number one I want to leave for everybody when you want to reduce your financial independence is um, track your spending, Um, even more than tracking your income. We all know what our income is and what kind of money we make. But if you don't track your spending, if you don't write it down, in many ways that's even more important than doing a budget. Budget's critical. But if you don't track your spending, you don't know what you're spending your money on. It's just like trying to hold your hands together and hold a cup of water. And boy, it doesn't take long before it dribbles right out through your fingers. So track your spending. Um, We can show you how to do that. We can show you how to set smart financial goals. 
We can show you how to do budgeting. We can show you the power of compound interest. We can show you how to become financially independent. That is nice. And most importantly, we can show anyone listening how you can make more money than what you're doing today. So we hope that you've done something wonderful, perhaps with your family. Maybe you're watching a parade today. Maybe you've seen some fireworks. If nothing else, I think everybody remembers why we celebrate 4th of July. Our country had the resolve. Our forefathers, who were common people who did uncommon things, did some very special things to create this country, to declare independence from Britain, to form our country, to become what it is today. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you can do that for your family and for your own finances. And I'd like to see you declare your own financial independence by doing some very simple things. Take the time to do that. Take the time to protect your family and to protect your money. Declare your financial independence today. Thank you so much for listening. You betcha. Great advice from Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, ladies and gentlemen, your financial and retirement guide. If we haven't, we thank you for making us a part of your Sunday morning each and every week. And we want to remind you that the mission of USA Wealth is, as you just said, Ray, to help protect your family and your money. We're very, very grateful listen to Money Wise Radio, and uh, remember that none of us can be an expert at everything, so let the professionals at USA Wealth Group help you protect your family and protect your money. Let their family protect your family. Ray, on this Independence Day weekend, we wish everyone financial independence. Happy Fourth of July, ladies and gentlemen, and happy efforts in making yourself financially independent.